Hi, this is Dr. Mini Malhotra and welcome to The Better Prescription. As a physician, I have always wanted to help people understand that there is a better way of taking care of your health away from prescriptions and procedures. This podcast is a tool that will help and guide you to a natural root cause approach which can not only prevent disease but also reverse them if not too advanced. This podcast is not a replacement for medical advice. If you're seeking medical advice, seek a licensed medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional medicine practitioner, go to the IFM website and look for a practitioner close to you. If you want to work with us, then you can visit our website anchorwellnesscenter.com and book a strategy session. So today I'm going to talk to you about a very important but often ignored topic in the conventional world that is insulin resistance. So what is insulin? Like a lot of people now talk about insulin resistance but they really don't know what are the effects of insulin and what can it cause so it is a hormone it's made by the pancreas it helps glucose enter your blood cells in uh, in your muscle fat and liver where it's used for energy and the glucose comes from your food that you eat the liver also makes glucose in the times of need when you're fasting and the when the blood glucose or the called the blood sugar levels rise after you eat the pancreas releases insulin into the blood and then insulin lowers the blood glucose by keeping it in the normal range it is a peptide hormone which is secreted by the beta cells of the pancreatic islands of langerhans and maintains normal blood glucose level by facilitating cellular glucose uptake and regulating carbohydrate lipid and protein metabolism and it promotes cell division and growth through its mitogenic effects so just see how many functions it has so what is insulin resistance it is defined as where a normal or elevated level of insulin produces an attenuated or exaggerated biological response classically this refers to impaired sensitivity to insulin mediated glucose disposal compensatory hyperinsulinemia occurs when the beta pancreatic cells secretes to maintain blood glucose level in the setting of the peripheral insulin resistance in the muscle and adipose tissue so you have high amount of insulin and insulin resistance syndrome actually refers to a cluster of abnormalities related to physical outcomes that occur more commonly in insulin resistant individuals and given tissue differences in insulin dependence and sensitivity the manifestations of insulin resistance syndrome are likely to reflect the composite effects of excess insulins and variable resistance to its action so metabolic syndrome is another term that is used it represents a clinical diagnosis which identifies individuals at high risk with respect to cardiovascular morbidity associated with insulin resistance so the effect of insulin insulin deficiency and resistance varies according to the physiological function of tissues and organs concerned and the dependence on insulin for metabolic processes those tissues defined as insulin dependent based on intracellular glucose transport are principally the adipose or the fat tissue or muscles however insulin actions are pleiotropic or it occurs everywhere and widespread and so are the manifestations of insulin resistance and the associated compensatory hyperinsulinemia so given the insulin's pivotal role in glucose utilization and metabolism it is not surprising that glucose has multiple influences of insulin biosynthesis and secretion however other factors such as amino acids fatty acid acetylcholine pituitary adrenal cyclase activating polypeptide glucose dependent insulinotrophic polypeptide glucagon like peptide and several other agonists together in combination also influence this process 
So let's see what its effect is on the muscles. So glucose uptake into the muscle is essentially insulin dependent via the GLUT4, GLUT4. And muscle accounts for about 60 to 70% of whole body insulin mediated uptake. So when you are in the fed state, the insulin promotes glycogen synthesis by activation of glycogen synthase. And this allows the energy to be released anaerobically, that is without oxygen via glycolysis during intense muscular activity. Muscle cells do not rely on glucose or glycogen for energy during the basal state when the insulin levels are low. Insulin suppresses protein catabolism while insulin deficiency promotes it, releasing amino acids for gluconeogenesis and in starvation, Protein synthesis is reduced by 50%, whilst data regarding a direct anabolic effect of insulin are inconsistent. It is clearly permissive mod, you know, to say that you know, it affects phosphorylation of the muscles. So in experimental studies, insulin dose promoting protein synthesis is significantly greater than the dose required to suppress proteolysis or breakdown of protein. So insulin is anabolic. In, uh, it builds tissues in conjunction with growth hormone, insulin-like growth factor, and sufficient amino acids. So when you have insulin resistance, the muscle glycogen synthesis is impaired. This appears to be largely mediated by reduced intracellular glucose translocation in regards to protein turnover, right? Between insulin-resistant type 2 diabetes and control study that was done adipose tissue or fat tissue what does it affect how does it affect the fat tissue so intracellular glucose transport into the fat cells in the postprandial or the fed state is insulin dependent via the glut 4 it is estimated that adipose tissue accounts for 10% of insulin stimulated whole body glucose and insulin stimulates glucose uptake promotes lipogenesis while suppresses lipolysis so it prevents breakdown of fat and hence free fatty acid into the bloodstream. As the adipocytes or the fat cells are not dependent on glucose in its basal state, the intracellular energy may be supplied by fatty acid oxidation in insulin deficient states while liberating fatty acid into circulation for direct utilization for other organs such as the heart or the liver where they are converted to ketone bodies and the ketone bodies provide an alternative energy substrate for the brain during prolonged starvation. When you have insulin resistance but you know it's similar to that resistance, the effects of adipose tissue are similar but in the liver there is increased free fatty acid to promote very low density lipoprotein production while ketogenesis typically remains suppressed by compensatory hyperinsulinemia. So you cannot break down fat in insulin resistance in the fat cells. It promotes build of fat so that's why people with insulin resistance due to no uh, fault of this will it will be harder for them to lose weight. So it also increases triglycerides and it also increases a number of cytokines, okay, like IL-6, TNF-alpha, plasminogen activator inhibitor, angiotensin, leptin, which are associated with increased insulin resistance and adiponectin with reduced insulin resistance. So adiponectin is inversely proportional to insulin resistance. And tumor necrosis factor and interleukin-6, it impairs the insulin signaling breakdown of fat and the endothelial which is the blood vessel lining function 
and IL-6 production is increased by the sympathetic nervous system activation like stress and fats tissue depots, uh, you know, they have different responses to insulin. Fat cells from the diabetic and insulin-resistant individuals have reduced GLUT4 translocation and impaired signaling. So those are the effects on fat cells. So you can see that it has a multitude effect on fat cells too. And the first thing that I spoke to you was muscle. Next is liver. Why, you know, glucose uptake into the liver is not insulin dependent and it accounts for 30% of the body's insulin mediated glucose disposable with insulin being needed to facilitate key metabolic process. So through intracellular signaling, glycogen synthesis is stimulated while protein synthesis and lipoprotein metabolism are modulated. So gluconeogenesis, uh, that is making of glucose from other macronutrients uh, and ketone body production is inhibited or stopped. Mitogenic effects like of uh, insulin and growth hormone are mediated by the hepatic production of insulin-like growth factor and it is an potentially by suppressing the sex hormone binding globulin production. So mitogenic is the growth in your body. So in insulin deficiency or starvation, these processes are more uniformly affected and this is not necessarily with insulin resistance. So compensatory hyperinsulinemia or, you know, also has different effects. And resistance to insulin's metabolic effect results in increased glucose output by increased gluconeogenesis as in starvation. However, unlike starvation, compensatory hyperinsulinemia or high insulin suppresses sex hormone binding globin and promotes insulin's mitogenic effects like gross tissues, right? So those are the effects, you know, on the liver. Now, the main thing I want to, you know, uh, you to appreciate is about the endothelium and vasculature, your blood vessels. So many people don't think that insulin resistance can cause diseases, but insulin has an important role in various aspects of the endothelial function like nitric oxide production, which opens up your blood vessels. And it is insulin resistance is associated with endothelial dysfunction, which can cause many diseases like hypertension, heart disease, strokes, many of these. So whether these associates are causal or mediated by common mechanism is still not known. And the function of the vascular endothelial cells are critical to many aspects of cardiovascular biology. And endothelial dysfunction is seen at a very early stage of atherosclerosis or the thickening of your blood vessels of your arteries and is associated with clinical risk factors. So endothelial cells not only produce the physical, uh, provide the lining of the blood vessels, but they also secrete various factors influencing the vessel tone, platelet function, coagulation, fibrinolysis, and clinical problems develop when these processes are in imbalance, especially nitric oxide production and other key hormones that the endothelium produces. The compensatory hyperinsulinemia or high insulin that accompanies insulin resistance is associated with increased level of procoagulant. That means it promotes blood clot formation such as plasminogen activator activator inhibitor factor 1 and they contribute to platelets like the cell, blood cell which helps with coagulation. So platelets accumulate in a place and the endothelin 1 is also, you know, secretion is stimulated by insulin and elevated in insulin resistant stage. 
And endothelin 1 is a potent vasoconstrictor. So not only are you constricting your blood vessels, reducing the nitric oxide production, but it also enhancing blood clot formation and it causes, you know, endothelial dysfunction, which can cause various defects. It also has mitogenic or increased cell growth. So, you know, your endothelial smooth muscles, they proliferate or increase and they contribute to blockages in your blood vessels. In the brain, brain is not insulin dependent, but so far as the intracellular glucose uptake is concerned, but insulin receptors are in the brain and especially in the olfactory, like your sense of smell, hypothalamus, the stress hormone, you know, and many of the hormone regulating area, hippocampus, the memory area, the retina, vessels of the choroid plexus as regions in the striatum and cerebral cortex, like the medial temporal areas. It acts as a neuropeptide involved in satiety, that means your fullness, appetite regulation, sense of smell, memory and cognition. So it may be actively transported from the bloodstream or it may be locally synthesized and it also appears to act through other appetite regulating transmitters and peptides. Leptin and insulin share a common signaling pathway in hypothalamus and there is also a potential link to Alzheimer's disease given the insulin's role in normal cognitive function and in the regulation of amyloid precursor protein and beta amyloid itself. Now, Alzheimer's disease is called type 3 diabetes in many literatures. So many of the syndromes from insulin resistance like obesity, type 2 diabetes, also is associated with insulin resistance in the brain. So now that we understand what insulin resistance is and how it can affect your different organs like muscle, fat, liver, your blood vessels, you can see how important it is for you to check your insulin level, make sure your blood glucose level is in healthy range like 75 to 80 and your A1C around 5 to 5.2 is the maximum. So if you are pre-diabetic, you need to take some aggressive action because pre-diabetes is more common than you think. 84 million people ages under 18 and older have pre-diabetes. That is about one in three adults, okay? Who is more likely to develop insulin resistance who have genetic and lifestyle factors like overweight, obesity, age 45 years or older, parent, brother or sister with diabetes, African-American, Alaska Native, American Indian, Asian American, Hispanic, Latino, Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander American who have physical inactivity, health conditions such as high blood pressure, abnormal cholesterol levels, history of gestational diabetes, a history of heart disease, stroke, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So all these people are more prone. People who have metabolic syndrome that's combination of high blood pressure, abnormal cholesterol and large waist size are more likely to have pre-diabetes. There are also certain medications which promote insulin resistance such as glucocorticoids, antipsychotics, medicines for HIV, hormonal disorders such as Cushing's and acromegaly, sleep apnea also. So what you can't change, you can't change like your family history, age or ethnicity, but you can change your lifestyle risk factors around eating, physical activity and weight. And these lifestyle changes can lower your chances of developing uh, insulin resistance. So the major concern is not just pre-diabetes, diabetes, insulin resistance. It affects every organ. It affects brain health, liver health, weight management, heart disease, all these factors right? You should get tested with the fasting and fasting insulin free and total insulin. You should also get tested for insulin resistance. You should get tested for hemoglobin A1c and if you have a high blood sugar you know you should get 2-hour glucose tolerance test which is more diagnostic. 
So in our practice, we use our POPE methodology, cellular detoxification, optimization of hormones, performance, nutrition, and enhanced mind mastery to help people from sick and tired to wellness and vitality. We help with blood sugar swings. It helps to prevent diabetes. It reverses pre-diabetes, diabetes, and also heart disease and improves inflammation and other risk factors in your body. So that's all I have for you today. I'll talk to you again next week with another topic. Send your questions to Dr. Mini at anchorwellnesscenter.com and give us a review, a good one on iTunes. We are all here to help people. So if you share this information with people who really need it, it will be great. Take care and I'll talk to you soon.